You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 71. When you start thinking about success from the eyes of a client or from the eyes of an employee, it's like taking a, a mirror and turning it around and reversing the direction. And a lot of times it's a lot more helpful to get out of your own head and put yourself in the heads of someone else. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. I am feeling good. I've had a great day doing some of my favorite things. Started the morning working with a mentor group, a bunch of wonderful coaches coming together, focusing on skill development and sharing successes and challenges and doing some coaching and That always gets me pumped up and excited. Was able to do some individual coaching today with some mentor. Today's been my mentor day for whatever reason. So puts me in a great mood and makes me energetic to share with you today our focus around talking about more kinds of niches that you might have as a coach. So over the course of the show, we've focused on career coaching and corporate coaching, coaching and educational systems, and group and team coaching. We've had shows around coaching towards brand and book writing coaches, storytelling coaches, lots of different. Last week was relationship coaching. So this week, we're going to talk with a coach who specializes in working with small businesses to help them create the kind of success that they would like and how he has put his knowledge and his expertise and his perspective of how to work with companies into his book. So our guest today is Earl Bell. Earl is a business expert, a success coach, and a trainer for company owners and their teams. His book, Winning in Baseball and Business, Transforming Little League Principles into Major League Profits for Your Company, is going to be the focus of our interview today in sharing how we can take some of the basics that we learned in team sports as children and apply them to being successful as adults and particularly in this situation, successful as small business owners. So we're going to do a bit of a mix between how you might coach a business owner, as well as a focus on the fact that many coaches are small business owners ourselves, and how we can apply some of these concepts to our own practices. So let's go to our interview with Earl Bell. Earl, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is wonderful to have you with us today. 
Good morning, Meg. How are you? I am well. It is a beautiful sunny day here in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I understand that there in Seattle you've got a little bit of overcast, but I hope you hang in there with us. It is winter, and it is Seattle, so we will, yeah, we get We get a couple days of winter here in in Dallas, but I was so pleased that you were referred to me because you work with small business owners. You work with that the whole building a business sort of concept, which is many of our listeners continue to build their businesses, grow their businesses. And you even have a book about that. And what's the name of that book? The title of the book is Winning in Baseball in Business, Transforming Little League Principles into Major League Profits for Your Company. Which is an awesome title. And I'm hoping that you will be sharing some of those principles with us. When we start thinking about building business, can you tell me about what is your business building philosophy? You know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that a lot of business owners tend to overcomplicate things. And my mother taught me at a very young age, I think I was about eight years old or so, she said, I'm going to teach you how to juggle. And based on the number of balls that you can juggle, that's how many things that you should be able to hold in your life at any given time. And it took me about a month. I learned how to juggle three balls, never learned how to juggle four balls. So for 40 years plus, I seriously think about things in buckets of three. So when you ask, well, what should business owners think about from a philosophical perspective? I can only offer three because that's all I can hold in my head. And really, the first is from an owner's perspective, being able to define success. And my experience as a business coach is that a lot of clients come to me in what I call a frazzled state meaning they're highly stressed and they work a lot of hours. You know, maybe they have an employee or two or 10 that drive them crazy. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have uh, trouble and struggle with finding what I call ideal clients or perfect clients. And because they struggle with that, they find themselves in what I call a vortex of doom. A vortex uh, of doom. A vortex of doom. And, and whatever system they've created has put them exactly in the system that they're living with. and. Now, if you know anything about systems theory or systems thinking, if you want to change your outcomes, you have to change the system. So I always like to start from the business owner in helping them understand what success means to me. And, you know, when I wrote the book, Winning in Baseball and Business, a lot of people assumed, again, the assumption going in was that winning means making a lot of money. And it can. Right. But. Sometimes, you know, working 80 hours a week to make whatever income you have as a goal isn't necessarily a goal worthy of pursuing because you don't have a life and you miss out on... Right. So it no longer becomes the win. Yeah. That's, That's a horrible win. And I think, you know, through a series of exploration, owners can really start understanding what success looks like. And and usually it leans more towards being able to contribute in a meaningful way and and being able to build a legacy business. And that's typically the way the conversations go. Okay. So when you're exploring with business owners to sort of define what is business to them or get some clarity around that, any particular successful strategies or, or tools that you use to help them get clarity? I call it the internal versus external exercise. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of experts or coaches or consultants, we kind of get in our head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And what I, I'm trying to think of the perfect way of saying this, you know, sometimes you think about what the world looks like from your lens, mm-hmm. as opposed to the lens of someone else. And 
you know, well, let's be honest. If we're in business, we're in the business of serving others. And in order to serve others, a lot of times we need employees. And, you know, in defining success, I, I like to go through an exercise of helping business owners visualize and conceptualize and, and ultimately realize what it means to serve the ultimate client or the ideal client. And at the same time, recognizing that unless you're going to do all the work by yourself, it takes a team of employees, right, to be able to create what I call the hero experience or the awesome experience. And in doing that, you really have to be thoughtful and and intentional about the types of employees that come into your organization, what you're trying to create, and ultimately what you're trying to do in terms of service to, to customers or clients. So, when, when you start thinking about success from the eyes of a client or from the eyes of an employee, you know, it's like taking a, a mirror and, and turning it around and reversing the direction. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's a lot more helpful to get out of your own head and put yourself in the heads of someone else. Okay. So just completely taking on a different perspective and considering another viewpoint can open up lots of possibilities or things to consider for as a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know why I just thought of this, but I remember, you know, the last time I was in the corporate world interviewing for a job, after about 30 minutes, I remember the interviewer said, well, you know, that's great that, you know, you're accomplished and you've done all these things, but how can you help me? And in the world of coaching or consulting, all clients care about is, can you help me? Right. What about me? Yeah. Yeah, What about me? What's in it for me? And defining success from that perspective, I think, is really important because once you figure out what it is that you're trying to do and how you can help clients and how their lives are positively impacted or changed, and you start really honing in on what that looks like, it gets a lot easier. Right. So as coaches, if we're able to see what is the result I bring to my client, what's in it for them, and rather than sharing how awesome you are, clients want to focus on themselves because that's really, that's, that's what the whole, and that's really kind of the whole coaching philosophy. We don't put ourselves in the middle of that. It's about the client. Yeah. And another tip. I I find, you know, it's one thing to to share information and have a conversation, but being able to bring the element of story Mm -hmm. into defining what success looks like is really helpful in that it helps spur imagination. Mm -hmm. You know, what if, and and to be able to take someone from a place of intellect to a place of emotion and heart, I, I think is very helpful in helping business owners really figure out what it is that they're trying to achieve. Oh, that's powerful. So what is, so you said you can hold three things in your head at once. And the first thing is what is success to the business owner and helping them really get clear about what success is. Exactly. And and by the way, this model, I've coined it the pyramid of awesome. And, And what I love about pyramids is geometrically, they are the strongest shape. uh, Structure. Yeah. Structure. Absolutely. And it kind of fits in with my theme of being able to only count to three. So (laughs) on on one point of the the pyramid is, is, you know, defining success from the owner's perspective. And the second is defining success from the client's perspective and helping them grow their company. One of the strategies that I like to help them work through is what I call the super fan strategy. Super fan, uh, which would take, come from your baseball book. Well, go figure, right? <laughs> I mean, if, if you think about any baseball stadium in America, let's see, Texas Rangers are nearby. Where Texas you live? Rangers are nearby. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's pretend your job, your business, if you will, is to fill the stands for a game mm-hmm. 82 times a year. Is that right? Yeah, about 160, 160 games uh, over the yes. course of the season, half for home. 
if you were to approach that from a single ticket perspective, and, and I don't know how many seats they hold in Texas. A lot. I don't know either, but there's a lot of seats. Yeah. Call it 40,000. Imagine having to go through the exercise of selling 40,000 individual seats for every game. Every game for 82 games a year. Boy, would that be exhausting. And then at the end of the season, guess what? You get to do it all over again. And wouldn't that just wear you out? And, you know, it's kind of a funny story. If you think about it, you, you say to yourself, well, that's stupid. Who would do that? Well, a lot of times business owners think about getting the next deal. Right. Uh, the, the next transaction. The, the next they client, get, whatever. Right? Yes. And, you know, wouldn't it be easier if you could start selling season tickets for multiple seasons? So, you know, that, that's the framework of a story. You know, and I'm truncating mm-hmm. it. But the idea is if you can find ideal clients that become multi-season ticket holders because you're able to provide them value consistently over a period of time and dramatically impact their bottom line and their quality of life, you know, chances are it's going to be a lot easier for you to grow a business. And, and by the way, it works for coaches as well. Right. right. And so I can you know, kind of imagine that some coaches are thinking, well, how might I do that. And so I can think of, you know, developing programs for different, developing some ongoing offerings that, and maybe it's one-on-one coaching, but maybe there's some other things to get creative with and, and to think about that you could offer to your clients to get that repetitive, the value that you're giving and people who want to continue to work with you. Yeah, from a business coach perspective, you know, one of the things I try to do is is to make it very difficult for someone to say no, right? And that's the first sale. And the first sale is not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the 12th sale, mm-hmm. right? And, and strategically, the, the exercise from my perspective is to figure out if I can help and how I can help and if I can help, what that would look like in a series of progression over a period of time. A friend of mine developed a model, which I love. It's called the Promise Strategy. Uh, he let me write about it in the 10th chapter of uh, the book that I wrote. And essentially, again, it's a pyramid. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why coaches and consultants love pyramids. But you, you start with the, the, the very, very bottom, the foundational element of well, how, how do you build a multi-year client? You know, start with your brand promise, right? And whatever your brand promise is, you know, be clear about it. Make sure it's a promise that your uh, coaching client wants mm-hmm. uh, and gets value from. And then, you know, taking the theme of a batting average, if you're consistently delivering your brand promise as promised, chances are high you'll start developing some trust. Mm-hmm. with your client. And if you can consistently deliver value, you'll earn trust. And guess what? At that point, they're probably more receptive to a relationship, which is that second sale and the third sale and the fourth and fifth opportunities to provide value. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing a very, very good job on a consistent basis, chances are they're proactively going to start telling their friends about the value that they're providing you because they remember what it was like to be overworked and highly stressed and having employees that uh, constantly turn over. And, and they remember what frustration felt like. And they want their you know, friends, their, their peers to feel the pleasure that they're feeling. Right. And have the success that they're having. And, yeah. and so then it becomes that, that your funnel continues to get filled because of the reputation that you have, the, the success that you've helped people achieve. I know that once I had been my previous life as a therapist, once I'd been in practice for, I don't know, maybe once I was sort of settled into the one, cause I moved around different locations, but once I was settled in, it after a very short period of time, I didn't do any advertising. I did. I, it was all client referral 
to mm-hmm. fill my practice. And, and that's the same way it is for my coaching practice. Yeah, it's funny when you think about what the power of word of mouth, and ultimately that's, you know, that, that's, that's the ultimate, being able to build a business based on that. I happen to know two companies, both multi-million dollar businesses. One is focused on the transaction model. Mm-hmm. The other is focused on the relational model. Similar size on the top line, but on the bottom line, there's a, a difference of about 25%. You know, one company is barely breaking even and the other is bringing 25, 27 cents of profit out of every dollar that they sell. And the difference is one company spends about 30% of their revenue on marketing and advertising mm-hmm. to get the leads and the other has 100% word of mouth. And, you know, part of my brand promises business owners make more money with less effort and they have more fun. And you know, p- part of being able to do that is being intentional and thoughtful about, well, how do you build a multi-year recurring revenue stream strategy with ideal clients as opposed to target clients? And you know, one, one more point since you got me. Yeah, rambling. go for it. Yeah, roll, roll with it. Yeah. You know, marketing 101, you start with the avatar of a target market client. Mm-hmm. I think everyone who's ever been to a business school is familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think about a bullseye in a target market. You know, if you think about a bullseye, you've got the, the inner circle and then the first circle and, and you just keep going yeah, and out, expands and out and out. out, and out. Mm-hmm. Right. Target market may be anywhere on the, the target, mm-hmm. right? From the, the five point circle all the way up to the 10 point circle. And I've always believed if you can do a better job of getting closer to the bullseye, your ideal client, businesses that can benefit from your expertise over a period of time, mm-hmm. you're going to spend a lot less money on marketing and you're going to spend a lot more time serving. Mm-hmm. That is just incredibly energy building to be able to do what it is that we love. But we have to have the clients to be able to do that with. So right. the clearer you can get and the more value you bring to those clients, the more likely you're going to be able to begin to build your business through referral, through happy clients, create more clients. Absolutely. And, and it's funny. I don't think I'm the only business coach in America that deals with this. So I'm going to put it out there. It's way, way easier to help someone else than it is to help yourself. Yes. Right. And, you know, what, one of the exercises that I go to when I'm not working with someone, because, you know, every now and then we, we all hire coaches, right? Right. Um, Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. One of the things I try to do is turn the reflective mirror the other way and start thinking about things intentionally from the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. And you know, just for a self-exercise, that seems to work well for me. Excellent. So we've talked about the first two elements of your pyramid of awesome. Yes. And what is that? So now we're clear about what success means for the business owner, what success means for the client, and what's your third piece of your pyramid? We're now moving into the employees of the company. uh, And I like to think of them as team members, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, just taking the theme of the book. And one of the programs that I like to teach is what I call the super team strategy. And, you know, a little bit about the book, a group of boys that started out as six-year-olds playing t-ball six years later, split into two teams that went to Cooperstown, New York for a tournament. And the same week, the other half of the team I was coaching went to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And you don't do it with without players, right? And you don't do it without building a super team. And a lot of the elements that uh, help create that baseball program are exactly the same elements that you can bring into building a super team or an awesome team inside your company. And 
you know, foundationally, again, it, it starts with culture and values. And, you know, from the, the mind of a 10-year-old boy, it's really simple. And that's a good place to start. You know, everyone who played in the select program had three basic foundational beliefs. Number one, they wanted to play with their friends. Okay. Number two, they wanted to have fun. And number three, they wanted to play at a very high level. And so long as we were able to meet those three objectives, the kids would keep coming back for more. And, you know, it's funny, if you think about a a, a successful youth program or a successful company, imagine on December 31st of every year, all of your employees quit. Wow. Imagine if on December 31st, every player on a select baseball team said, you know what, I'm not coming back next year. And the answer is, well, that's kind of disastrous, right? <laughs> and if, if you build a company where turnover is high and productivity is low, and, you know, we've all read the statistics. Right. Well, roughly three quarters of employees aren't happy with their job. And roughly in an eight-hour day, a typical employee gives you about three hours of productivity. Well, chances are companies aren't being as intentional as they could about bringing the right employees onto the team. And they aren't as intentional as they could uh, in terms of being able to build a team that has a single goal in mind, in the case of a business owner, to serve clients and serve them well. Mm -hmm. So foundationally, I'd like to start with uh, culture, values, behaviors, and beliefs, and being able to define those very, very clear with zero confusion. And it's funny, if you kind of go through the process, okay, we're going to hire for a position, and we're going to put out a job description. I'm willing to bet if you went to Craigslist or indeed.com or any job site, 98% of the job descriptions are going to start with the skills required. Okay. And there may be a little footnote at the bottom about what's really important, the culture, the value, the behaviors, and the beliefs. And because what's most important and foundational is given short shrift, they end up hiring good athletes, if you will, with particular skills. But these athletes, chances are more likely than not, are not going to be a good fit for the, the entire roster okay. for, the, for the super team. Okay. Right? So, you know, my, my coaching is to invert the job ad, just to, to keep it simple. Uh, you know, start with what's really important. Uh, I hear coaches, I hear business owners say, you know, culture is important, but when push comes to shove, they hire for skill. They don't hire for fit. And How difficult is it for business owners to get clear about their culture? Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it takes time. I worked with a company for a number of years, and a couple of years in, they started really figuring out what was important to them. I mean, it's one thing to go through exercises. It's another thing to internalize. Right. Right. And, you know, sometimes the process goes quickly. Sometimes it doesn't. And I, I'm always a believer that so long as you commit to the process of intentionally try to up your game to get 2% better, to really think about the foundational stuff and, and going deep, in the long run, it will pay huge dividends. As a, for example, since we're talking about super teams, I'm, I'm thinking about a particular company, one of my favorite clients, actually, which is probably why I'm thinking about them. Right. One of they, those bullseye companies. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, they had 100% turnover with a position. In 100%. One, 100% wow. turnover. And we went through this exercise of inverting the job ad, if you will, and, you know, the work that goes into it. And, and the next year in that position, they went to 0% turnover. Because they got that clarity. And they, they put what was clarity. important first. So therefore, they attracted the right candidates to that job. Exactly. And if you think about 
building a dynasty baseball team or a dynasty business, it helps if you have employees that show up every day with a smile on their face, with the express intent and purpose of delivering awesome experiences to clients. They want to be there. They're productive. They're happy. They, that's going to rub off on their coworkers. Because it's now fun to work with somebody who's miserable. And, you know, at the end of the day, if business isn't fun, chances are it's not going to be fun. And if it's not fun, well, that, that's when you start seeing what I call the smile to frown ratio going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have, as, as a, a coach who works with small businesses, you look at the business itself, the kind of client that they want to work with and what success looks like for them. And then ultimately, what, who's on that team and what, how is the presentation about what their value structure is, what their culture is, and you said what their behaviors are, correct? Exactly. And, you know, when you cut through all of that, I believe at the end of the day, Unless you are a manufacturing company, you are in a service business of some sort. Mm -hmm. Uh, A a doctor is in the service business of seeing patients. We're in the business of serving business owners. You have accountants and, you know, construction companies building homes or home remodelers or, you know, uh, advertising. Whatever you do, you are in the service business. And if you hire employees that are capable of giving good service, you can teach them the technical skills to do the job. That's my personal belief. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and how is that? With. How I was just going to say, and how does that kind of prove true for the businesses that you work with? I, I would say it proves true about 100% of the time. Oh, is that all? Yeah, well, maybe 99.8. You know, again, it's a f- philosophical thing. Right. In, in the world of professional sports, some teams subscribe to the farm system model. And if you can bring in people at a low level that foundationally have the the values and behaviors and beliefs that you're looking for, you can teach them the skills and they can grow within the company over a period of time. And there's never any confusion about the type of person that they are. And their Mm -hmm. ability to grow is really driven by their ability to A, learn skills and B, learn how to become a better leader. Right. And I would think maybe motivation somehow works and like how motivated they are to do those things as well. Absolutely. Um, I I was talking with another business owner a week ago and she was saying, why can't I just get employees to do what seems to me so natural? Just Mm -hmm. make the place nice for the client. And the point I was trying to make is sometimes employees don't want to serve. They want a job and they want Mm -hmm. a paycheck and they don't want to do work outside of the bare minimum. And, you know, the the question I asked was, you know, if you could do it all over again, how would you have hired differently for that position? Mm -hmm. Right. And we always get back to the, well, I I would have looked for the certain attributes that a good employee would bring and, you know, teaching the skills is is easy. Sometimes you just make the the wrong hire because you bring people on board that don't want to serve. Right. And, and it's, a hard lesson learned, but then you have to kind of make that decision about what what do I do with that now that that's that's the situation at hand. There, yeah, it's an expensive one too. Yeah, Gallup research um, has proven that the cost of turnover is anywhere between forty and four hundred percent of a person's annual salary. And if you hire an employee at fifty thousand bucks on the low end of the scale, according to Gallup, that's a twenty thousand dollar mistake. Yeah, ouch. That you have to recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it gets real expensive, real fast if you have a high turnover business. So how long have you been working with small companies to increase their success and their awesomeness through your awesome pyramid of awesome? Uh, six years, I think. Okay. Yeah. 
And what have I not asked you about your business building philosophy or how we can compete in a competitive climate that maybe you were hoping that we would talk about? So the, the, the pyramid of awesome, pyramids are three-dimensional, right? Mm-hmm. And triangles are two-dimensional. And we've talked about the foundation of the pyramid, which is uh, defining success for the client, identifying and attracting ideal clients, and then building a super team of employees, right? So that's right. your foundational piece. Uh, to make it three-dimensional, you've got up in the air what I call the, the fourth element of the pyramid, which is value. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if you want to grow the size of your pyramid, you have to, A, at the bottom, at the base, attract more perfect clients, build a larger team, and that expands the, the, the triangle. But to grow the pyramid, you have to figure out how to deliver value that exceeds price. And I, I took this from a Warren Buffett quote. He said, so long as value is greater than price, you know, v, if, if V is greater than P or the the value to price ratio is greater than 1.0. Mm-hmm. Everyone's happy, right? So in terms of uh, offering advice to coaches, one of the things I think it's, it's the right thing to focus on, being able to help clients understand the value that you provide as a coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like the old, well, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did the tree really fall? Did it make a sound? Yeah. And if the client doesn't understand the value that you're able to provide, are you really providing value? Mm-hmm. And, and again, from, you know, a coach's perspective, you may think you're providing value and you may know you're providing value, but until the client understands the value, ultimately you're not going, or I should say, you're going to have a harder time building a long-term relationship. Right. Well, it's that whole concept of beauty's in the eye of the beholder and and that it doesn't even really matter if you believe that you're bringing value if the person you're bringing the value to doesn't also believe that. So understand, so parts of that might be getting feedback from your clients, getting clear, as a matter of fact, you know, just as we're taping this, the show that came out today is on return on investment. So you do want to kind of pay attention to what's the return your clients are getting on their investment with you and get clear about that. And Earl is just kind of reinforcing that. I I couldn't agree more. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you get down to it, uh, we're all in the business of helping business owners improve their lives and improve their profitability and, and ultimately, you know, create a legacy business is the way that I like to describe it. And I, I would think that going through a periodic exercise of collaboratively understand, understanding the value is important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's a tip that it, it amazes me how very few people actually do this. Uh, it's something that I encourage clients to do. It's a great thing for coaches to do. Ask. Uh, you know, how am I doing? What, mm-hmm. What's going well? What could be done better? You know, what is the value that you're getting from the coaching relationship mm-hmm. in your words? And I'll be honest with you, when I started doing this about two or three years ago, I was surprised at what I was hearing because what I thought was value mm-hmm. was not the value that they were receiving. So again, it's objective. Well, and it's, it's how is it landing? So everything is perceived through that person's lens and that person's right. perspective. And unless we ask, we're not going to really know what that is. And then we can build on the things that from from that ideal client's perspective. 
So thank you for joining us and sharing your perception of and your knowledge and expertise and your pyramid of awesome with all of us small business owners and people who might be working with small business owners. I really appreciate and we'll have a link to your book on our resource page. So thanks for being here with us. Well, thanks for having me, Meg. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about small business coaching. And I want to thank Earl Bell for sharing his pyramid of awesome with all of us. If you'd like to know more about Earl or about his book, check out the resource page at starcoachshow.com. Now, if you're liking the show, I would ask you to consider leaving a iTunes review to increase our visibility and attract more listeners to the show. Every five-star review we receive helps us increase our visibility, like this review from KG13 Sooner, who says, when you think you know everything about coaching, you'll listen to the Star Coach podcast and realize there's so much more to learn. Each expert brings a new perspective and great tips for your toolkit. Meg does a great job of hosting each episode and keeping her listeners in the loop. So I want to thank KG13 Sooner for that lovely review. So until next week, this is your host, Meg Rentschler, wishing you the very best for your coaching success.